0: Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and I am fast and strong like a big wind.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and I could really go for some goju.
0: Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of population ecology and agential realism. Today, we'll be talking about Waterworld as a part of our Schlock or Awe series. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about Event Horizon. Actually, for the second time, because I lost a file, <laughs> but. <laughs> looking forward to it. We'll also be discussing the sci-fi noir, The Last Policeman. And also, Dan, what is happening in December? The Expanse
1: is coming back! The Expanse is coming back! Yes! So
0: This podcast will revert to its original form of an Expanse recap podcast. Mm -hmm. We have other plans for the new year. We always have more ideas than we have room. Mm -hmm. We don't keep excellent track of all our ideas either. So we're always taking suggestions. The best way to reach us is via Twitter. I am at Anna Marie Cox. He is at Dan Dresner. We have a Patreon page as well, which is patreon.com slash space, the nation. Dan. Tell us about our Patreon page.
1: Our Patreon page has many wonders, Anna. You know, and it's just displaying growth and progress all the time. So among other things, if you decide to become a patron, you get potentially good swag. You obviously get early access to the podcast. You also get access to our Discord channel, uh, which is fun and has definitely taken on a life of its own and therefore worth participating in. You also get access to our monthly AMAs, which we do normally on the first Saturday of every month. And finally, once we reach 250 patrons, we are more more than halfway there, we will record a special patrons-only episode on a topic chosen by the patrons, uh, much as we did when we hit 100 patrons. So these are all really, really good reasons to become a patron, Anna.
0: If you are already a patron, which you know you probably are if you're listening to this, a great way to support us that doesn't cost you a dime is rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. maybe places where you don't get your podcast, Just rate and review us, like on Amazon, Yelp. Anywhere, really. And also tell your friends and neighbors. Dan. Yes, Anna. Why are we talking about this fucking movie?
1: (laughs) Okay, so listeners, it might... Surprise you or it might not surprise you to know that I was the one who chose this one for schlocker awe. Uh, I did it, frankly, for current events reasons. So as we are speaking right now, um, and probably by the time you listen to this, it will have just wrapped, uh, COP26 is going on in Glasgow, Scotland, which is the semi-annual, I believe, meeting with respect to climate change. And we aim to be an eco-friendly podcast, I think, Anna. And uh, to be blunt, if things do not progress Better on the climate change front, we might have to deal with more dumb movies like this. Dumb movies in which Kevin Costner
0: drinks his own urine. And that, you know what? You gave that a twist ending. (laughs) If if things don't improve on the climate change front, that sentence could go a lot of different ways (laughs) as far as like bad consequences. More movies like this, I have not heard before. I think it's a valid reason. it is. It is valid. It's scary. It's a threat. Yes. It is a. Th- it is one of the many threats of climate change. I'm not going
1: to lie on it. I actually think that the participants of COP26 should be forced to watch this film because <laughs> I actually think it. Well,
0: I might- haven't done anything that bad. How about if you don't decrease your emissions, you know, by however what percent by 2024, then you have to watch the movie. You have
1: to host, or better yet, you have to host a theme park devoted to the movie on, as we will discuss a little right. bit later.
0: Sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. So current events,
1: yes. yes. Also, there are two other reasons, I think, Anna. First of all, this is generally thought to be an infamous flop. And, you know, the question is, is with time, do these films actually, you know, but that's part of the purpose of Schlocker Awe, which is to say, are films that were widely thought of as bad at the time, actually as bad as we think? Um, You know, we had this experience doing David Lynch's Dune. It struck me that that Waterworld was appropriate there. Also, might I add, Kevin Costner drinks his own urine in this film.
0: Dan, that is the first scene of the movie, which is a bold strategy, I got to say. The first scene in your movie. It's
1: sort of metaphoric of what the film does to its viewers, I would suggest.
0: uh, Yeah, yes. Also gives you kind of a weird and inaccurate sense of what the rest of the movie is going to be like, because this movie wants to be, it was pitched as Mad Max on the water, Mm -hmm. right? And it, it goes for that sense of um, a post-apocalyptic landscape and like, you know, uh, survival of the fittest, you know, uncaring world with uncaring people. Right. And, and indeed drinking your own urine that's fits in, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the movie doesn't follow through on that at all. <laughs> like there's no sense of apocalypse even we'll talk about this more. I know, but in a way, like I kind of respect the movie for starting with him drinking his own urine. Yeah,
1: no, that's actually like it, it. I will say this if that's the vibe you're going for, that is certainly a way to shock. And it's something you yeah. don't always see. But the rest of the film
0: is- It's downhill from there. That is what yeah. we'll say. It is downhill from drinking his own urine. That is that's that, that, it.
1: That does encapsulate it. I agree. Yes, absolutely.
0: I will say we are not the first people to to try and reconsider this movie. Mm-hmm. There is a piece in The Guardian last year in which. Ben Child described it as a perfectly watchable cult classic, which is a thing you can say. <laughs> perfectly watchable. I'm not in sure the Annals can, of time. You can
1: say it, Anna. I'm not sure you should say it. However, is the way. But I would you know put what?
0: It. Actually, you're correct. I thought of that as an incredibly lukewarm review, but you, you, it is a crime against humanity <laughs> to give this movie a lukewarm review. Yeah.
1: No. 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 It's like <laughs> it is, in fact, not perfectly watchable. Technically, it is technically watchable, Anna. I'm not it sure is it is. It's not watchable.
0: watchable. I, you're right. It is. You can indeed put your eyes upon this movie. You
1: and I have proven that, but it took effort, yes. Anna. It took a lot of effort. It did.
0: I wound up, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> you know, we talk about movies being good for like folding laundry and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like put it on the background. Dan, I wound up lifting weights during <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Nice. So you did get something like out of the, the experience then.
0: I got something out of it, but it's like the only, I was like, I cannot, I cannot watch the last 30 minutes of this movie, like without having a distraction of some kind that's, that's not fully. I feel, need a more significant distraction. If it makes you feel any better,
1: Anna, I watched part of this movie while on the elliptical machine. So yes.
0: There we go. Okay. We figured out what this movie is yeah. good for, I guess.
1: This brings us to the story behind the story, Anna. And I think it's safe to say that if I understand it correctly, the story behind the story is a better story than the actual film.
0: Dan. Jack <laughs> <laughs> and Jill went up a hill is a better
1: story than this movie.
0: You have characters, you have action, you have narrative tension. Yes.
1: Yes, indeed. You got it all. Yeah.
0: Waterworld has none of no. that. So I have, of course, many more things to say about this movie than we have time for. I'll just try to hit the highlights. Mm -hmm. Uh, Waterworld was originally conceived of as a children's adventure film, which I have to say while watching this, I was like, they could have gotten away with making this like a fantasy of some kind. Mm. It would have solved some problems with like the the weight of disbelief. If you were just like positing, like this is a world of water, you know, like whatever. And if you kept it childlike then it might make more sense but anyway that aside it did not become that mm-hmm. instead it became mad max on the water mm-hmm. that was a very popular movie and they wanted to do a they wanted to try and do something very derivative it it is the kind of thing that you would come up with like in an improv class i feel like you know
1: or you know in a hollywood studio after doing lots of cocaine i mean that's true you know
0: and one of the reasons it's infamous is it was the most expensive film ever made at that time, mm-hmm. 1995, which is why it got the nickname "Fish Tar," <laughs> which I do like. <laughs> Interestingly enough, it actually did debut at number one at the box office mm-hmm. and w- was popular, which I don't remember, but I probably blocked that. Mm-hmm. But its budget was so massive. It never made back, you know, the hundred and I think I have the number here, 175 million dollars. There you go. That it wound up costing. So, also kind of an interesting fact: it was nominated for Academy Award for sound, mm. which
1: fine. Sure. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> a more backstory, kind of interesting. Joss Whedon was brought in to do rewrites, and has since said it was one of the worst experiences of his. I life.
1: believe it was a. It was actually in the Hayes Code in Hollywood in 1995. that Joss Whedon was required to write to finish the <laughs> script of any blockbuster feature. Cause I mean, he did this for speed well, in 1995 or uh, around that time as well.
0: Also a script credit to David Twohy, who is a, a somewhat friend of the pot. He's made some movies that we yeah. like. He was the script writer for pitch black mm-hmm. and the fugitive. Mm-hmm. Doesn't explain why the script is so bad. Although uh, something that Whedon said would clarify that, which is that Whedon said that his job turned into just sort of transcribing Kevin Costner. <laughs> so... That is why it's a bad movie, perhaps. And it does raise the interesting um,
1: question. How much money would you take if your job was literally just to transcribe Kevin Costner at his peak ego?
0: Well, the thing is, Joss Whedon didn't have his name attached to it. That's this. a good point. So I think I would, I would, you know, yeah. I, I would do it for a few million. Yeah, sure. that's, uh,
1: yeah. You know? So, yeah, you know, all <laughs> credit there.
0: You mentioned before, this spawned a few things, <laughs> uh, much as salmon would. Uh, a novelization, a video game. And there are attractions at Universal Studios Hollywood, Universal Studios Singapore, Universal Studios Japan, and Universal Studios Beijing have attractions based on Waterworld that are extant today. I could find no pictures of them.
1: That is amazing. Wikipedia
0: tells me that they still exist. That
1: is amazing.
0: It it is quite amazing. Not surprisingly, Dan, people almost died making this movie. (laughs) You know, I would just believe that if you told me it was made completely on a soundstage. Mm -hmm. That's just that kind of movie that people... It would threaten lives mm-hmm. but it was actually made you know on the ocean in hawaii people got caught in riptides um the set was enormous it fell there were just lots of production issues which is why i ended up costing 175 million dollars last thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the original cut was three hours long
1: and so the thing i will praise about the movie that we watched is it is less than three hours
0: there you go there you go there you go we have found a thing to say that is somewhat positive I feel like we covered a lot of the schlock versus awe already, and we're not going to spoil anything by telling people what we think about it. But let's just make the let's just make the argument, sure, for why we thought there could be a discussion to be had, right?
1: So about schlock versus awe. The 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 pro schlock points, as as Anna has talked about a little bit. I mean, again, widely regarded as not very good when it was released, despite being the most expensive movie ever made. This was peak sour Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner had a series of roles in the mid-90s after releasing truly blockbuster after blockbuster after blockbuster, in which he seemed trying to play dislikable, unlikable anti-heroes. And I think this was probably the peak you know version of that. And then the other reason it's schlock is that, yeah, you know, it's Dennis Hopper again, playing just sort of a rote Dennis Hopper performance, which is
0: thank dennis hopper yeah He's a, just it's, it's hopper. just
1: like, i mean you can imagine the director saying okay dennis just do your thing and, and so forth and it's not that it's bad it's just sort of boring if you've seen enough dennis hopper performances. so all that schlock um on the awe side to be fair this is a film that is principally motivated by climate change and climate change is a concept in 1995 remained somewhat debatable we now i would think I think the consensus is much stronger now, uh, not just among the scientific community, but more generally. But at the time it was thought, you know, not necessarily sure there was there was a vigorous debate being had, at least in the United States. And also in the abstract, Mad Max on the water should be a good movie because you know what? The Mad Max films are good films. And so like putting it on the water. Yeah, that's an interesting, you know, that, that's a derivative Hollywood twist, but it could still be a good movie.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, Haunted House in Space. Exactly. It turned out to be a really good movie, yeah. right? Yeah. So, obviously, I, I accepted the challenge <laughs> uh, that, that you proposed and was willing to reconsider this movie because I love other movies that have been considered flops or or bad by less knowledgeable people than ourselves. Event Horizon, yes. one of them, which got we terrible reviews. We'll be talking
1: about that next week.
0: Black, which is a genuine cult classic. Oh, yeah. Um, also was not super successful. And- I've mentioned before that I like The Day After Tomorrow, (laughs) which is terrible, (laughs) but also strangely enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie is just strange. This is just an odd movie. It's
1: more than that. It's unpleasant, Anna. You're
0: right. It's unpleasantly odd. It's gooey. Yes. It is like a, if this film had a texture, it would be goo.
1: Or blubber-like, perhaps.
0: Or, oh, blubber is a good one, too. Mm. And I... I, (laughs) this is something that I had down to say at some point, which is that this movie also just feels dirty. (laughs) Not in, not in like any kind of good way. It just feels icky in the choices that are made in the actual, what people are wearing, you know, it's just gross. It's just like a gross movie that I now resent you (laughs) (laughs) for making me watch. I hated this movie each minute that passed. I hated it more. Okay.
1: Like, so I, maybe I did not hate it as much as you. In other words, like I, again, I, I think I agree with you. It's not going to surprise our listeners. This is worse. Where
0: we come down. Yeah. On where this, we you know? come
1: down in this, but that said there are enough, There, Every once in a while, there is a laugh out loud, dumb thing that happens that made me laugh. There's a lot of dumb things that made me angry, but there were every once in a while, a lot of bad things. Well, well,
0: that is one of the reasons why we do this show, Dan, because we do have different opinions. We should probably move along to the plot, to discuss what there is (laughs) to say about this fantastical, bizarre, absurd
1: (laughs) movie. All right, let's get on with the plot. Act one, meet the man who drinks his own pee. So remember that climate change thing? It happened with a vengeance. The polar ice caps have melted and most people have been living on man-made atolls on the ocean. Dry land has taken on a near mythical status. In this world, fresh water, dirt, and apparently paper are valuable commodities. Meet the mariner who we literally see pee into a cup and then recycle it into potable water in the first 30 seconds of the film. He's got a tricked out catamaran with lots of artifacts and a lime plant and everything. He sails to an atoll run by a religious cult to trade some of his dirt for other things. <laughs> While there. Yep. Yep. He trades some he dirt. Trade some dirt. Yep. While there, the locals yep. discover that he's a mutant with webbed feet and functional gills behind his ears that allow him to breathe underwater. They don't like this one little bit, so they hold him and decide to sentence him to death.
0: I'm gonna break in okay.
1: here. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I think it's amazing that in our Rant so far, Mm -hmm. and and also neither of us mentioned this to each other previously. Of all the things that we thought were stupid about this movie, Mm -hmm. a man has gills didn't come up. (laughs) Like we were like, okay, fine, gills. Like, okay, that that one's okay. You know,
1: yeah. At this point, like the movie is beating me down. I'm just shrugging my shoulder. Like, yeah. The gills behind the ears, sure, why not? Like, that's actually a good place to have gills if you're going to be a human, why not, you know?
0: And I'll just point out,
1: shouldn't that mutation be welcomed?
0: Yes. That's a- okay, just... I, there are so many things that don't make sense in this movie, it, we should not point them all okay. out. So I'll just have to, like, sit on my I will say here, it is but- a
1: religious cult that does not like this, and a religious cult that apparently thinks that if you bury enough people in the ocean, you will eventually get dirt. So I, I'm really not yeah, going to...
0: You picked up on the religious aspect of it that might be one of the places I was simply like cursing your name (laughs) for making me watch this so I didn't get the religious angle but anyway sure. Okay. Religious people hate mutants. Yes. Go. So, Go, Dan. The manor
1: is about to be executed. <laughs> just before he's lowered into the water, smokers, AKA dudes on jet skis, led by the deacon, played by Dennis Hopper, attacked the atoll in search of a young girl named Enola who has a mysterious tattoo on her back that might be a map to dry land. Enola's- uh, Of course, because when people have tattoos, like what's the first thing you think, Dan? Well, That's
0: probably a map to somewhere. Look, I've,
1: I've I'm just going to point out <laughs> that clearly this was the precursor to Memento. So Memento ripped off this film, okay. all right? Okay. So let's not talk about, right. you know, an interesting okay. idea. Anyway. Moving on. Enola's guardian, Helen, uh, tries to escape with Enola, but their friend Gregor prematurely launches the gas balloon that was their escape plan. With no other option, Helen frees the mariner in return for his assistance in escape. Anna, it's not a good sign for this film that the most intriguing character, hands down, was the catamaran. (laughs) Lots of nooks and crannies in that thing. I actually liked it when like that thing was doing some funky stuff.
0: Oh, like when it transforms? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. like it it goes from like a thing with a windmill Mm -hmm. to like having the sails and shit. Yeah, Yeah. it is a trimaran. Yeah, I'm calling it a catamaran.
1: I don't care what what Wikipedia says on this one. It's a
0: a trimaran. And yes, that is one of the most interesting things in the movie and when there were scenes, of that might involve a chase. I was like, oh, oh, we might get to see the, the catamaran, catamaran in let's get, action. Let's cut
1: <laughs> to cut, cut more catamaran, man. Yeah, exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, I, I, again, we probably should not get bogged down in raising questions about everything mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. I, I will be generous, perhaps, mm-hmm. and and just repeat that I think it's probably difficult to make an ocean look desolate and post-apocalyptic. Like, it just doesn't scan that way. I think to humans, probably. It also doesn't
1: just help that the entire film takes place in what is very sunny weather. There is never any inclement weather throughout the entire film, which, you know, (laughs) is fair. Like, that's hard. That's even harder to film. But like, you know, you're on the water. As you say, it looks pleasant.
0: Yeah, it's like they're nice, sunny days and stuff. And like, they don't they don't imply that it's really hot. Mm -hmm. They don't like it. So I kind of grant them that, mm-hmm. that it's hard to do that, which is why you probably shouldn't do it, <laughs> you know, or you should have a plan of some kind. Like, how are we going to communicate that this is a really desperate situation? Having them ma- What out-sailing? if you drink your own
1: pee, Anna? That could be the thing. Th-
0: there, there you go. But also just like generally kind of out sailing, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, they look pretty desperate. I'll say that. Yeah. I don't understand how they have a monetary system. <laughs> um, just don't. <laughs> And Dan, I know we're gonna get to the IR portion Mm -hmm. uh, in a bit, but I just have to say right now, while it's fresh Mm -hmm. in my mind, that attack on the Atoll. Yes. Like, I mean, I don't know, like you're the one with more like military history Mm -hmm. under your belt than I am, but uh, it struck me not not as a classic (laughs) battle plan, not something pulled from Greek history or someone who studied Ulysses S. Grant. Mm It seemed fucking stupid. Like, that's what it seemed.
1: And I will discuss this a little more later in the podcast. Just suffice it to say here, I do not disagree at all with your, your characterization <laughs> of the battle plan and or what happens once they take the Atoll. So, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. dumb.
0: Yeah. Oh, And if people are wondering, what we're describing is just a full-scale, like, apocalyptic attack. Right but it seems yeah, pointless okay just, just, I'll, I'll use the word I, I will say
1: this my That's favorite my, so here, here's the, the like the stupidest part of it this hands down was the the smokers have a plane and at one point right. the plane is carrying or it's like there are three guys on jet skis with the plane
0: oh i i i also yes yes, yes. so
1: and then like the jet skis go off on a ramp And then they all managed to jump into the the atoll, which has walls, to be fair. And all I kept thinking watching that was, you know, they didn't need the jet skis. All they had to do was stay on the plane. The plane could have flown over and then they just drop in. Like there was no purpose whatsoever to have them on the jet skis. It made no goddamn sense.
0: Oh, 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 okay. My thought there was like, that's a a real chaotic way to enter a a walled city. Yes. Like that's, (laughs) you might want to do something that you would be more certain of the outcome, it's just rather a, than like just sort of like blindly jump over a gate. Yeah. You know, the reason why you might want to have some intel about what's inside the gates mm-hmm. is if you knew what the fuck you're going to do <laughs> once you conquered the thing.
1: Right, right. So
0: if you're just an insane person, yeah. then sure, have some kamikazes attack because that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, uh, one more oh, last yes? thing. Everyone has beautiful teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm not asking for like rotting teeth to be a realistic part of every post-apocalyptic movie, Mm -hmm. but set on a sea with like no fresh water, Mm -hmm. people are gonna have some scurvy, Dan. Yes. There's gonna be some scurvy. Except the Mariner who
1: has the lines, but yes, yes, absolutely, yes. All right, let's move on to act two. What if, just hear me out, it's the odd couple, but on a boat. So the Mariner and Helen and Enola escape on his tricked out catamaran. They then spend the entire middle portion of this film trying to avoid capture by the smokers while being as unpleasant as possible to each other. Among other things we experience during this section of the film, the Mariner suggests throwing Enola overboard. Helen stupidly fires a spear from the catamaran at a plane, helping to damn near wreck the boat. Hair is chopped off for no good reason as near as I could figure. They meet another skiff, and Mariner initially agrees to trade half an hour with Helen for paper, even though the dude has a bunch of bound national geographics tucked away. He doesn't need the paper, he really doesn't. And yet agrees to do that, then goes back on that.
0: That's also that's a fucking gross. Yes. I mean, I I know I don't need to like go into the
1: detail, but Yeah. yeah, it's no it's gross. And before that, I would say Helen offers herself to Mariner and Mariner refuses. So it's just it's right, very strange. Right. Everyone is hungry, however. And so the Mariner solves this problem in what I do think is the funniest and most bizarre scene yeah. in this film, which is that I'm not still not sure exactly what happens. But he basically like, you know, holds on a tether. He pulls a Joe behind the boat. A mutant shark or fish swallows him. He then blows up the fish. And then they eat all the blubber.
0: <laughs> He'd do that sooner, Dan. I, That's another question. I don't know. And like also, if it's so fucking easy to dynamite a, you know, to go job a fish. like that,
1: that scene was also might've been one of the worst edited scenes I have ever seen in the, in the sense of yeah. it was not coherent at all. I actually watched it a couple of times. It's very funny oh, wow. because there is a brief shot of this mutant fish that like is never talked about ever again. But, and then it, there's a smash cut to all of them eating the fish, which they all seem relatively happy about. So, that again was was probably intentionally funny and mildly funny, but it's just bizarre. Mm-hmm. But, but, Ada, this gives rise to a, a slightly different question, which is that anti heroes are a staple of science fiction. I mean, they're shot through a, a lot of good science fiction. And yet, Kevin Costner's Mariner did not work for me at all. He is just a sour, uninteresting personality. And yet he's an improvement over some of the other characters in this film. But why didn't it work?
0: That's an interesting question. I did not care for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Dan,
0: I did not care for this character. I mean, I mostly didn't care about the movie, yeah. but um, I, I think... You mostly lost you know, the will
1: to live as you were watching
0: it. Yeah, I mostly lost the will to live watching this movie. I mean, his... I know, okay, 1995, a slightly different time in terms of how we talk about sexual violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Slightly different. But still, I will trade the woman for some paper, especially since he has paper, as you point out. Like, it seems like he's offering up a pretty cheap deal.
1: He's not a good negotiator.
0: Not a good negotiator, especially since the person he's offering her to is clearly insane. Like is it telegraphed to be a crazy person, Mm -hmm. you know? That that he could probably best in battle, perhaps, if they wanted to go that way. And there's like no and and also like, okay, I was watching it. I'm like, all right, there's gonna be like a reason he does this. Like it's a tactical reason, like he's gonna go steal the boat while they're in the nope,
1: nope,
0: nope, he just changes his mind.
1: mind. Yeah. For some reason, this way the movie would have been improved if they had deleted that entire sequence. There is nothing gained yeah. from that sequence. It, either yeah. No, there's clear or whatever. Nope. Yeah.
0: Nope. Helen's an idiot. Yes. Multiple times over, she does stupid shit. Firing the harpoon at the plane. I, when she did that, I was like, "You what? What?" <laughs> For someone that has lived on the sea her entire life, she seems to have learned very little about what to do on, the, on sea. the sea. She doesn't know how to say, she doesn't know how to sail the boat either. Yeah. There's a lot of weird blank spaces in everyone's knowledge for people that have supposedly been living on the sea for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, Enola doesn't know how to swim, which is fucking bizarre. Well, like, okay. That's weird. That
1: was weird. Although I will say like, you know, as we discover later, she mostly grew up on land. So there's at least a vague <laughs> reason for that. But well, yeah, I agree. I mean,
0: we can, I mean, you're, I think you're doing some work for the movie I probably am, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Speaking of why is he so unpleasant, he he just it's they're going for the anti-hero thing, yeah. like the hard one bitterness, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem very hard one. He just seems like an asshole, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's not like, oh, I've been living alone. I don't have my manners like, you know, I've been I've been hurt so many times. He, there's no like Han Solo. Like well, he just seems like a dick. What there actually is, is no like, backstory.
1: We don't know anything about yeah this no, guy. It, Right.
0: Which I know from reading, like that was supposed to be kind of like, yeah, we just don't know much about him. You know, like he's a mystery. He's a mutant, don't give him a name the mutant with no name. He's a mutant with no name, yeah. but it doesn't work. Also, if you're going to make him a bad guy, like have him follow through on some of the truly awful shit. I mean, even beyond offering up Helen, I, I agreed with him that it would be a good idea to kill the two of them. <laughs> <Jesus>. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really kidding. Like there isn't it in his, for his character, right. there should be a reason why he decides to let them live.
1: Yes. As opposed to, I want to build sympathy with the audience. Yes, that's fair. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like if, if he is the bad guy, the antihero that we're supposed to think he is who, for the change of heart later to mean anything, mm-hmm. he should have a cynical reason for keeping them on board. Also he should just go ahead and dynamite a shark. Because at that point, he's talking about not having food and water. <laughs> and apparently he could dynamite a shark any time, which would solve the water problem. But still. Mm-hmm. Also, if he was going to throw one of them overboard, it should probably be Helen and not the girl. Because you'd want to keep the one that takes up less room and stuff. Maybe. But- although,
1: again, if, if you're really going down this cynical way, I'm assuming Helen has more trade value.
0: Yeah, uh, depends on how cynical you want to be. Well, I, okay, like, but I'm saying yeah. if you're going there,
1: then you know it's just.
0: Well, no, I'm saying like really cynical would be you'd want the younger one.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, Yeah. Which, by yeah. the way, that was icky. Because... A
0: longer because you'd have a longer valued that was potentially know.
1: the ickiest moment in the entire film was when the guy oh, yeah. like says wait instead of her how would if i had the little one and oh, yeah. that was
0: yeah he is he earned the ickiness i don't like him yeah, yeah. and he's earned it right. exactly all right we still have more of the movie to go through i'm Dan. sorry
1: act three everyone acts stupidly so our gang of three barely escape another smoker attack at this point mariner tells helen that dry land is a myth he then decides despite the recent attack mind you that the best course of action is to take helen down below in a diving bell he just happens to have on hand for tourism reasons i don't know <laughs> and show her yeah whatever it's and
0: it's a skin bathysphere which i do think is an interesting idea okay but but it, like a some kind of hide bathysphere basically like intestinal bathysphere he
1: takes her down to the ocean floor at which point he shows her that they are actually floating above an old city that is now entirely underwater again i'm going to remind listeners that they just leave anola the girl the smokers want to get on the catamaran alone having just evaded them okay so this is going to shock you but when they surface the smokers have boarded the boat they take anola Mariner and Helen escape into the water, with Mariner doing the breathing for both of them. Deacon and his crew take Enola, and then-
0: Which I think is supposed to be sexy, but does not seem sexy to me. It was not
1: sexy in the slightest. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Deacon and his crew take OLA and torch the catamaran, because sure, in this universe, you would absolutely destroy an extremely useful boat. Makes total sense to me. Yeah, fine. Mariner and Helen swim back to the catamaran's remains, and then totally make out. After that, it seems like they're doomed, but Gregor shows up in the hot air balloon and rescues them. They are reunited with the survivors of the first atoll. Mariner decides to rescue Enola. Ana, the number of stupid things every fucking character in this film does is legit impressive. What was your favorite stupid action?
0: That skirt Helen's wearing. (laughs) I mean, there's no dress code for the apocalypse as far as I'm concerned. I should say the post-apocalypse. I think there is a dress code for the apocalypse, which is black tie. Oh, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, what I'm saying. Post-apocalypse, I'm not I, I I haven't read much on that, but a very tight leather skirt seems not a good choice. That's what I would was say. Was it leather? I thought it not was a, I
1: thought, like it was, thought it was mesh for some reason. So it was leather skirt.
0: I think there was mesh involved. Okay, yeah. Like it, it was it was an impractical skirt. <laughs> that is what I would say. And you know what? That describes almost everything everyone does. Mm -hmm. Impractical. Like, there's just a lot of shit that happens that doesn't make any sense. I wrote down in my notes at one point, observing my own notes. I'm writing down a lot of, this doesn't make sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like, the shorter version of my entire set of notes, which, by the way, is only two and a half pages, because by the end, I was like, fuck this. (laughs) Like, I'm not, I don't. I don't want to remember what I'm watching. <laughs> Dan's doing the plot recap. So I'll just... I'll yeah. just. let's be clear.
1: I'll, I'll I suffered for this episode, Anna, okay? I know yeah, that you think that's you true. did. But you actually had that's the more true. interesting story to tell. That's all I'm going to point out.
0: That is true. Impractical and reckless. That's that's how I'll also describe uh, the actions of most of the characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten to the oil stuff yet, but... <laughs> people use up precious resources pretty flagrantly i would say in this movie you know like (laughs) there's stuff there's not supposed to be a lot of Mm -hmm. and people just use use it yeah (laughs) like they make a big point like the flares are the thing that i kept thinking about like i don't think they can make flares anymore
1: no i'm pretty sure they don't have that technology
0: and and Costner just is like flare here, flare there, flare here. Yeah, flare so I, there. I, you know? as he's
1: doing the 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 underwater tour, he just lets flares go for no reason whatsoever as near as we figure out. I don't I mean the flares are going to sink. It's not like the flare is actually like a, a breadcrumb or anything.
0: I mean, I this movie is an interesting thought experiment in what happens when, you know, no one says no, right? <laughs> I'm taking an improv class right now, actually, honest to God. And it turns out like the, you know, cliches and stuff you hear about improv. Yes. And is a thing people say to each other Mm -hmm. in improv. Very much a a thing we're supposed to do. Yes. And I feel like someone should have said no, but. (laughs) To someone in this movie.
1: And yet that did not happen.
0: (laughs) All right, let's let's put us out of our. Misery All right, again. let's finish finish this. I can tell up.
1: our listeners are eager to know how this film ends. So let's close with Act yeah. Four. What if we throw a bungee jump into the climax? <laughs> <laughs> Deacon takes Enola uh, to his home base, which is a rusted out tanker ship named, wait for it, the Exxon Valdez. He tries to get her to talk using typical bad guy methods, but surprisingly, this does not work. Meanwhile, his followers are getting... Although
0: you'd think she would talk because she is a fucking chatterbox.
1: She does talk a lot. She does talk- That's actually
0: a plot point. Yes. And you know what? I, there's some method acting there. Like I was annoyed by her. <laughs> so way to go girl who played Enola. Tina
1: Majorino, who actually uh, grows up to, she's in the Veronica Mars uh, show. So actually yeah, a decent actress. I'm going to point this out. Method. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, uh, Deacon's followers are getting restless because they're running out of oil, also called Go juice in this film, and want to know a little more about dry land. Deacon gives a rousing speech claiming he knows the way. And so they start rowing the ship, which I have to admit was mildly, interesting like you suddenly see like a tanker where like it looks like an old galley ship going somewhere the mariner uses this speech to infiltrate the ship he confronts deacon on the deck and tells him to release enola or he'll ignite the gojuice with his flare the deacon thinks he's bluffing nope not bluffing the ship explodes all hell breaks loose and in the chaos mariner manages to rescue enola then
0: i just want to point out that is fucking crazy Yes. Like there are hundreds of people on board. Yep. Literally hundreds. And they're all below decks at this point. Yeah. They're, those people die. Yeah. Like there's just no question about no. it. Like yeah. those people are dead mm-hmm. thanks to Kevin Foster. <laughs>
1: like the greater good was served, Anna. Okay. Which is he's going to save this little girl. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, again.
0: All right. You know, yeah. Okay. I get you know, no but to someone, no but. Uh, Kevin, no, what about the people blue decks? Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, the ship explodes, all hell breaks loose, and in the chaos, Manner manages to rescue Enola. Then Gregor rescues them by lowering a rope from his balloon. Deacon fires an air- Du S X Gregor. What? <laughs> Say that again.
0: I was saying uh Duas X Gregor. Oh, do S-X but S-X it's X. Gregor. <laughs> Gregor X Mache. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: it would be Gregor X Machina Gregor X. I
1: think Gregor X Machina sounds better yes. Gregor X Machina yes. mm-hmm. Anyway, Deacon fires an arrow at the balloon uh, Causing Enola to fall back into the water Just as Deacon and two other smokers Are converging on Enola Mariner bungee jumps into the water And grabs her Causing the three jet skis to collide on each other In an explosion so ludicrous It had to be intentionally designed To make the viewer laugh Because, listeners, I did laugh Finally deciphering the Anna, I think it was Chinese, I swear to God, I don't know, marks on Enola's back. Our survivors float to actual dry land, where there's fresh water, horses, and everything. They find the skeletal remains of Enola's parents and deduce they must have sent her to sea because they were sick. Everyone lives happily ever after, except for Mariner, who is queasy on land and takes Enola's parents' hands-crafted catamaran and sails out to sea.
0: Nowhere near as cool as his Trimoran, by the way.
1: True, true. That's definitely cool. Ana, I know it's a futile exercise to ground this plot in any kind of realism, but I keep thinking that if there was an appreciable landmass somewhere close that word would have gotten out somehow. Also, did the Exxon Valdez joke work for you?
0: It's not a joke, Dan. It's commentary.
1: (laughs) It's a joke. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Well, it depends. I I read some uh, interviews mm-hmm. with Costner and um, Kevin Reynolds, also who was the who director of the film. The yeah, director. They take this movie fucking seriously. Costner
1: still like, takes it seriously. I believe. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I would argue they don't think it's a joke. I mean, it's a it's a you know nudge. Yeah. You know, or a wink, mm-hmm. but like they're trying to say something. Yes.
1: Yes. Sure. The
0: landmass is a bigger issue. <laughs> I think so, yes. I guess one question I have is if you wanted to send out your only child into the world with instructions on how to get to the only safe place in your universe, why would you make it an unintelligible tattoo on her back? Why the, what? I mean, like why not just put like land is here? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, if you want to find land, I guess I understand the tattooing. That's one way to make sure, you know, it doesn't fa- I guess, fade or whatever. Or fall, into yeah, you know. fall into the water. Yeah, you know. Fall in the water. But like, do you want to find land? Here is where you find it.
1: <laughs> you're not trying, you're not aiming for a cryptic message here. You're trying to be as explicit right. as possible to people of this is where you find the land.
0: Here. Hi, everyone, humans. We found some land, yeah. you know. Also, like, I mean, you, if you want to get into it, like, uh, presumably, like, this is where you say, like, she doesn't know how to swim because she grew up on dry right. land. And I'm like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. She sure was on the water for a long time. Also, you if know, she
1: was- people who live close to the water do tend to learn how to swim.
0: Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I guess I got the impression that she was like an infant mm-hmm. when she left dry land, because otherwise she should be able to say something about, like, what it was like. Because the entire movie, they're, like, asking her, like, about Dryland, And she's like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Like, meanwhile, she's, like, drawing horses and trees. Mm-hmm. So someone's like, well, she must have seen these things. Hey, Enola, are you drawing those things based on stuff you've seen? I was going to say,
1: I, I want to push back a little bit. Because you say that, like, she does says she doesn't know. They never actually ask her. Like, they... That is true. They, that is true. I mean, You're right. You know what? They don't, like, like right. Mariner doesn't ask her. Helen, who presumably is... I don't know her guardian or something never yes. brings it up with her. Like these seem like basic questions to, to, you know, what
0: are you drawing? That is something a parent, but that is something an adult says to a child all the time. Hey, what are you drawing? Right, exactly. I say that to kids and I hate kids. <laughs> hey, what are you drawing there? What are you doing? Yep. Yep. Sure. It's ugly.
1: <laughs> Honor, are you trying yeah, to get past in this all, movie? Right? Come on. <laughs>
0: How do you draw like shit? Your parents must be stupid.
1: (laughs) Did they die of a disease on an island by themselves? Oh my God. You're going to get canceled, Anna. (laughs)
0: Lots of people hate kids. (laughs) Otherwise, why would they leave the planet the way it is? All right. And how did her parents get to the landmass, Dan? I... I I don't know and in
1: that and category that, that that you know that that uh, the Mariner takes later. I, I really I, re, there All are right. so many dumb questions that this film inspires that like
0: we literally could not stop asking them. If we tried to go through this film like moment by moment, oh. like we would never stop talking about no. it, and I would like to stop talking about it. So Fair enough. rather than just continue t- to review its preposterousness, I have a question, Dan, Anna. Isn't there IR in this film? This shockingly terrible film?
1: Anna, while I would like to say that there is growth and progress in the IR in this film, uh, it's mostly like rotten fish. So there's the good, there's the okay, and there is the seriously stupid. So the good, I suppose, and this is saying something, I'm I'm using a low bar here um, in this film, is the idea that essentially because you're living in an anarchic world, Cooperation is almost impossible. I'm going to point out the following fact in this film: there is no single trade in this film that actually goes without someone trying to use violence. There are three different times in which the Mariner tries to exchange something with someone else. In all three times, someone acts, you know, maliciously and or steals something and or someone dies. So, the idea is that in an-
0: someone must trust somebody because there's money. Dan.
1: <laughs> they're chits, and like I think they're only good on that age Like I, the exchange rates on Waterworld—that's a separate question, and we're going to have to talk about that. But like you know, uh, yeah, it's it's so that's entirely fair. Like in an anarchic universe, sure, what could be a win-win transaction often turns into violence. Fair enough. That If you've got a truly realpolitik approach, that that makes sense. The okay is the Malthusian trap. So. Part of the reason that that the deacon is in trouble... But
0: does that, that come out of, like, Plano? Like, the Malthusian trap? The Malth- I don't know. Is it... Sorry.
1: <laughs> so the Malthusian trap refers to Malthus, Parson Malthus, who wrote an essay on the principles of population, basically arguing, you know, back in the day that the problem was, was that people grow at a much faster rate than food production, and when that happens, eventually there will be a, you know... Classic uh, Malthusian constraints in the form of violence or plague or malnutrition that will thin the population. And we see this in the Deacon's tribe, as it were, the smokers. They are in trouble because his population growth uh, has exceeded growth in resources like food, oil and water. Side note here, another thing that makes no sense in this film is that most of these people should be dead because I don't know where they're getting water from. Or diseased, yeah, exactly. Like, or
0: or uh, there should be things that are wrong. They all look really healthy. Yeah, like yeah. that was my thing about the teeth. Is like,
1: yeah,
0: n- no, everyone looks like they're doing okay. Everyone with... should
1: be drinking their own pee. That's the only thing that I can understand is yeah. as, as to how they're they're not dehydrated completely. Because again, they should be wearing still suits. Damn it. Yes, in some ways, I actually thought about the still suit when they're drinking the own pee. Because like that yeah. never gets it's talked true. about. In you doom, do drink your own pee you do do in that. the still suit. Yeah. yeah. These seriously dumb is just the deacon's leadership. So, you know, both political scientists and economists do suggest that the state emerges in some ways as a protection racket. Uh, The idea is that there's security and prosperity in return for a cut of everyone's activities. One way leaders can do this is through something that William Bommel, who's an economist, refers to as destructive entrepreneurship. In other words, being creative at pillaging and extracting from others. The deacon just likes blowing shit up. And destroying completely useful things. So there's, in fact, no extraction. There's literally just destruction, and you can't get anything from that. So it's...
0: And the impractical and reckless use of resources. Yeah. Like, if you have such overwhelming firepower Mm -hmm. that you know you're going to take this atoll, Mm -hmm. and they know you're going to take it... You coerce... You you give them a chance to surrender. You
1: don't just say... We're going to attack. You know, like, you, you
0: don't just you don't even say. He just a fucking rolls up and starts like right. bombing us. Right.
1: It makes no sense. You know. You try to. Co- you always try to coerce people before you actually have to use force because if you like can get a them- hostage. Yes.
0: You know. Yes. Like, I, I mean, I've thought this through. Obviously, if I were a warlord, right. I would want to first. You want to offer like you can just give up now, right? Because I'm going to kill you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Then you can kind of go to the hostage thing, still not using up a lot of resources. Right. You
1: don't right? want to use resources, particularly scarce resources in this world where most resources are scarce.
0: It ma- and instead you're just like having people fly fucking jet skis, yeah. which are terrible, by the way, just in real life. <laughs> I hate jet skis.
1: But again, I, I think there is a good contrast to be made between Waterworld and let's say Mad Max Fury Road, which is honestly one of my favorite films. Um, That's great it movie. is a fantastic movie, which also has gonzo shit in it. I mean, there's the doof warrior, the guy playing the guitar with flames out of yeah. his guitar. So like you can have Gonzo's stuff in this sort of stuff, but there is an inherent logic in terms of why they're doing that in that film that does not exist in Waterworld. Because in that film, they're chasing someone who is already running away with key resources. Whereas this, it's just like, makes no sense.
0: I think here's where we mentioned that Jack Black is in this film. <laughs> <laughs> just quick.
1: Which I am assuming he has paid publicists tremendous sums of money so that this fact does not get mentioned on the internet all that often.
0: Yeah, um, you both you and I, it turns out, thought we saw him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looks kind of like Jack Black. Yeah. And I just found out during my research, indeed, it was Jack Black. <laughs> and I bring him up here because he he is the person you would hire if you wanted a gonzo soldier. Right. right? Yeah. And that is what he plays, but it just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, yeah. like, fuck it. Yeah. You know, he actually it, did participate in a uh, oral history of water world article, which I encourage people to seek out because he clearly did not get paid enough to continue to say nice things about the movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I will take a look at that. Good for, good for Jack. <laughs> he,
0: he gives the movie exactly the level of uh, attention and praise it deserves. <laughs> like he, he doesn't actually participate very much in the, in the article, but what he says is pretty funny. So
1: so Anna, it's time for that question. Anna. Dan. Did you find a way to point out the evils of capitalism in this film?
0: And the movie turned me around on capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back. I hate this movie more than I hate capitalism. Oh my God. And wow. that is because it has no redeeming qualities. Like you and I have talked about this. Like I, I I do hate capitalism, but also I recognize we have talked about this entrepreneurship. For instance, it's a thing that happens, and free market is one of the ways that it happens. I think we could build better safety nets and have you know less emphasis on work in general. Anyway, I see and appreciate my computer. You know, <laughs> yes, banking systems, right? Sure, these things are outgrowths of capitalism. This movie, nothing, nothing. Like nothing good comes from this movie. <laughs>
1: So, Ana, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to take a slightly different position. This movie made me feel worse about capitalism. Do you want to know why? Yeah. I know. I know. But we also know from the story behind the story that, believe it or not, this film actually did, contrary to everyone's predictions and everyone's sort of beliefs, eventually through DVD sales and other you know, residual things, it eventually made a profit. And the idea that the free market <laughs> somehow rewarded people who involved in this film with profit is an affront to capitalism. I know I have doubts about capitalism in a way I've never doubted it before.
0: All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you to that, Dan. <laughs> That's all I have to say. And we, we, we might have to make some changes behind the scenes. So now we come to a part of the show when we do Schlock or Awe that, that we call loved it, hated it. I am dying to know Dan. What did you love about this movie? If anything,
1: there were three things that I legitimately loved in this film. So first the film opens, it's a, it's a production from universal. I actually did like the opening transition shot where you see the universal logo, which includes a, a globe of the earth in which you see the landmass disappearing under rising water. That was actually, I Very thought cool. pretty clever. I kind of like yeah. that, that I'd, I'd forgotten about that. That was actually pretty nifty. Gave me hope. Yeah. Uh, second, when the Mariner tries to trade in his dirt, I love the dude tasting the dirt like it was cocaine. Uh, he puts the dirt in his mouth and said, "It's pure dirt, man." <laughs> like that was funny. Yeah.
0: It's uncut
1: dirt. It's uncut dirt. <laughs> I, I, which yeah, was no baby laxative question. in this? What would you have cut the dirt with? Is what I want to know.
0: <laughs> I, ash? I don't know. I guess there's no ash. Yeah. I mean, like. Where do they, it's, anyhow, I'm just, yeah, let's I'm not go sorry. There. I, was about to, I was about to start asking questions and I, we cannot do that or else this podcast will no, never end. So. My <laughs>
1: single favorite moment in this film, however, is when the Mariner drops the flare into the oil, you know, the oil part of the Exxon Valdez. And there is a dude who has been down there. We only saw him once before. It's like this old dude wearing glasses, trying to tell the Deacon that the oil is, level is falling. He sees the flare falling and it's going to ignite the oil and he says oh thank god um and i just <laughs> love the idea that this dude was thanking god for the sweet release of death because anna as viewers so were we
0: i hadn't thought about it quite that way but yes,
1: yes.
0: Anna, wh- go with god old man <laughs> what take me with you what did you love anna I only have one thing to add, which is something that I I probably only noticed because I I was a wee baby environmentalist in the 90s. Mm. Dan, did you notice that a lot of them were wearing six-pack rings as part of their outfits?
1: I did not notice that, in fact.
0: Yeah. I mean- did you, as a child, cut up six-pack rings because you saw pictures of turtles like being strangled by them? That is a thing that we did in in my house.
1: <laughs> I do remember reading about that and, and feeling bad for the turtles and making sure that we we did not do that.
0: So I kind of like, in fact, the whole idea that plastic from our time would still be left mm-hmm. for people to, to make things out of. That's, it, it, you know, like, and also you could weave together six-pack rings. That would make... I mean, I imagine you could do something with that. Mm-hmm. You upcycle them. Yes. Dana. I guess the only question I have now is, is there anything we haven't talked about already that you hated? I hate
1: the primary thing. I, I hated all the major characters. And, yeah. and mostly what I hated was the half-thought-out world building. Like mm-hmm. clearly someone tried to think about this a little bit. And there are things that make sense. The idea that wa- fresh water is incredibly scarce. The idea that dirt would actually be valuable. That makes sense. You're going to have to find some way to have like fruit or, you know, vegetables, then you're going to need dirt. But like, there are other elements of this where it just made no goddamn sense whatsoever. And, and I have to say, the more I think about it, the angrier I get. Um, Cause if this is supposed to be a serious movie that is supposed to be telling us stuff, then, you know, Put a little more effort into the internal logic of it. Yeah. Anna, or what about you?
0: I hated everything. <laughs> I want to emphasize how much I hated Enola. <laughs> uh, the child. I hated her more than I hate most children. <laughs> uh, she is a talky little tot, mm-hmm. uh, which annoys the Mariner. and annoyed me. It She does just go on and on about nothing. I, just, I was just so fucking miserable watching this movie. Like... <laughs> The night lasted forever.
1: <laughs> I don't apologize. I, guess that's the thing I I would have made you watch it again. You know what? I, I, again, this is the outcome we want to avoid. We want to avoid really stupid movies, like bad movies. And not good bad movies. This is a bad, bad movie. That's the only way to. to it's predict. a bad, bad movie. Yeah.
0: Which brings us to Schlocker. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, everyone knows where we come down on this. So, uh, I think the question I have for you, Dan, mm-hmm. is: Is this the worst property we have discussed on this show—film, huh. book, TV show—of all the things we're on? Episode number forty-six. Yep.
1: Um,
0: Where does this fall? I guess we have to take the expanse out, of course. So, of like the thirty-something things. So we've discussed this
1: movie is so much worse than the other schlocker awe episode we did, which was Battlestar Galactica, the first the first edition of Battlestar Galactica, that is high art compared to what we just had to watch. Yeah. The only thing I can think that I've watched that even that, that might be in the conversation is the suicide squad and the suicide squad has.
0: The suicide squad had Idris Elba. And, exactly. It
1: had Idris Elba. So, you know, it was, and, and Joel Kinnaman and, and, you know, yep. and, you know, Viola Davis. And, and so no, it was
0: yeah, We could keep that. had a pretty decent yes, cast. Yes, had basically. a decent
1: cast. It, it's better than this stuff. No, I think this does qualify as the single worst property that we have talked about. It's worse than HP Lovecraft. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know.
0: I was going to say it's even worse than the Lynch's Dune. Yes, I think Lynch's Dune is the only other thing that we've reviewed that while I was watching it I was like checking my watch, or like waiting for it to be over, yeah. or like thinking, can I get away without actually finishing this? Will Dan notice <laughs> if I don't actually finish watching this?
1: You're like one can of my I live with myself. You're like one of my students. If on I do finish
0: watching this, oh, yeah. Like,
1: but I like. I mean, no. Dune was inc- Lynch's dude is incredibly bad, but at least.
0: It is sort of interesting. Though. Yeah. That's the thing about it. Is yeah. that it, it, although it, it, once you kind of get the sense of what he's doing and like where he's going with stuff, it, you don't want to keep watching. Like he has some a few interesting ideas, right? right? Including the pugs. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. You
0: know, the pugs of Lynch's Dune. That would be a <laughs> that'd be a great <laughs> article to write. There, the pugs of Lynch's Dune. But the other thing is, is that um, since
1: Dune itself is a much better and it, it, yeah. it's such a much better work. Than whatever this script was, that like you know, even Lynch doing the damage that he did to it, it still remains at least mildly interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, this is easily the worst. (laughs) Even the music in the film made no goddamn sense. The music is horrible in this film.
0: I have a music trivia thing for this, Mm -hmm. which is that uh, the original composer Mm -hmm. apparently turned in something that Costner uh, deemed too "quote unquote" ethnic and. Depressing oh, dear. to use, which might have made sense actually. I would want to hear that. No, like, actually, I, that makes the sense. word ethnic anymore. The, but like,
1: there were times I, during this movie where it felt like the music was like a Pirates of the Caribbean score or something.
0: Uh, yeah, I was thinking of Raiders of the Lost yes. dark, That kind of like majestic sweeping right. stuff. And, I'm like, and in fact, I in in my one of my first notes is if you're aiming for Mad Max, mm-hmm. like you can't have like this sweeping score. Right. Exactly. Because like it makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, totally degree.
1: illogical. Yeah, no, no, no.
0: We're getting into the to, into some... Oh, oh, we're getting to... Oh, uh, I was going to say we're getting into some details, but yes, it's... Flash, flash. Things have fallen into the water. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's the debris field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, is there anything that you want to say about this movie that we haven't already said?
1: I think there are two things, really. Uh, first, at one point, Deacon says, don't just stand there, kill something. That's a good bad guy line. You know, yeah, I don't want to sure. say everything is awful. Like I, that was, that was a decent bad guy line. Fine. And and finally, and I know I need to let this go after we stop talking about this film, but if you're going to drink your own filtered pee, at least maybe let it sit for a while. So it cools off because otherwise yeah. you're just drinking like mildly hot water. It's just, yeah. It's pretty gross. Really gross.
0: Pretty gross, Dan. Yeah. Anna, what about you? So I have one thing left, and it's kind of a big thing. Mm-hmm. But I actually got so mad at this movie, I googled DIY desalination <laughs> because I was like, I mean, okay, water's scarce, right? right? Fresh water, is water scarce. everywhere, yeah. but not a drop to drink, right. as someone once said. And it turns out desalination is it, it is not difficult. What it is is um, inefficient. Mm-hmm requires a lot of energy to produce not much water. However, great strides have been made, especially in the last 10 years. So maybe we shouldn't blame the movie. Hmm. But what I kept thinking, even after I found out that desalination is difficult is uh, a guy fucking built a blimp. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot of DIY energy going on here. Like there's some people with some time on their hands and some interesting ideas. And apparently this has been going on for hundreds of years. I just think someone would have put some thought into what can we do with all this water around? You
1: us. think mute also the mutant like mm- great, 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 great great of uh, Elon Musk would have created like, you know, an ideal lab for like ways that you could deal with this. Yeah,
0: because there are again, it's inefficient. So <laughs> it, it, that's why we don't do it today. Mm-hmm. But like you can do it through filtration, basically in condensation, mm-hmm. like osmosis. So like if you have enough people doing it mm-hmm. for a long enough amount of time and what else are they going to be fucking doing? I, I mean, again, of all the things to pick on in this movie, but it's it, it is the. The basic like sort of plot point of the movie, mm-hmm. right, is that water's scarce. Yes. Also, again, this just makes me want to say again, you don't really feel that water is scarce. No, you know.
1: And, and, and part of it, it's, is, it is
0: the ocean, but you should get a feeling for like, yeah, how desperate they are. And
1: no, let me put it yeah. this way. There's, there's a, the bridge on the river quies. There's a great sequence where William Holden, having escaped the POW camp is in the ocean and you like the dehydration he displays is, you know, in like that, those few minutes are far more effective than anything we see in this film.
0: All right, I guess we're done. I mean, I'm, I'm losing steam. I can't believe it. I'm so glad we we did. I I can't believe. I am glad we talked about this movie since you did make me watch yes. it. <laughs> Because now I feel like I have a lot of my chest and (laughs) I feel like I can safely like kind of close the box in my mind that this, this movie occupies and never think about it again. So
1: again, listeners, you don't need to revisit this film.
0: Don't just do, if you listen to this, you've got everything you You really do. Like, and even I just thank you for listening to to the end of this podcast, because honestly, like, I'm not sure, like, I hope, I hope the listeners got more out of this than we did getting out of the movie, you know, (laughs) like. They've got to, because we got negative out of the movie. Like, we lost time, we lost brain cells. (laughs) My time on this earth is going to be shorter and just slightly more miserable because of this movie.
1: I'm going to counter that by saying, you know what? One of the more pleasant activities I can spend my days doing is ripping a movie to shreds with you. (laughs) I think you're underestimating the sheer joy we get out of this.
0: That is fun. Uh, Although I also very much enjoy talking about awesome movies with you, which is actually what we're going to do. We're going to be really be testing the theory (laughs) that it's fun to talk about awesome movies because we will be discussing event horizon for the second time. Of my fuck up, yeah. Uh, I was saying, uh, listeners, actually, you
1: will never hear the first time because we, we, you
0: will never hear the first yeah. time. It was great. It was if good. this, if the second one doesn't turn out very well, like I'll just tell you the first one, that was like golden episode, man. Like everything we said was funny, <laughs> the vibe, like it was just all perfect. Yes. But we're gonna try to recreate that magic, Capt- capture lightning in an MP3 once again. And the other things we have planned, the uh, expanse is coming back, mm-hmm. the last policeman. Yes become a patron if you haven't already rate and review if you already a patron or or for some reason uh, are skipping patronage which i get times are still fucking tough out there and you know we like to hear from you i am at Anna Marie cox he is at dan Tresner. and until next time dan
1: keep this channel open for more